I, uh, this is an impromptu move, but I can't go through, I can't go through this service with candles that are not lit. So we're going to do this again and uh, just remind, remind us that Jesus is the light of the world, that when he comes, uh, there you go, that we have, uh, we have faith, we have joy, we have hope, we have peace, we have grace. But we have Jesus. So that's what makes, this just feels right. <laughs> to go through a church and not have candles lit, so. Okay. Welcome. I hope you guys still have your Christmas tree up. This has been a whirlwind of a Christmas. People traveling back and forth, and it's a, uh, I got back in Saturday night, and uh, it's just so fast moving, and so it's easy to forget the things about Christmas, and you move into the new year and, and just uh, go off the highway. But we've been through a series, and, and the series, as I planned from Thanksgiving on, was to, to understand that the anticipation in the Old Testament, that this is coming, and for the Jewish people to look forward to the coming of the Messiah, but that we talked about the abuse that uh, evil wants to destroy your hope. And then when it appeared in Christ, uh, he's here, he's here. And so the actualization of Christ and the promises we celebrated at Christmas. And then today we follow up with and finish with this last transitional theme as we move back into the book of Acts is the fact that <clears throat> we are uh, privileged to acclaim, proclaim, uh, declare um, that everything we just went through was wondrous news. And so the themes this morning about the mission songs, we have a story to tell to the nations. There's, there's wonderful things that, that are happening for all of those who walk in that light. Well, <clears throat> the idea that, that we are moving into uh, a, a, a new era because this was a cosmological change in space and time Thing changed with Christ. And yet, the church had to wake up to realize, and the disciples didn't realize until after Pentecost all that God was doing. Well, I want to go back uh, today and think back through some of the themes that, that I want to hear, I want us to hear as we go through what they kind of went through. And starting with the book of Isaiah, uh, how many have read through the book of Isaiah? Uh, it's, a, it's a deep book. It's the book that's quoted most often in the New Testament 85 times. Isaiah's words ring throughout the history. And yet you find Luke, Luke uses it uh, five times in his gospel, five times in Acts, Paul 19 times, seven in Corinthians, Peter six, and the revelation, the key is, is, is Jesus is the key. And so Isaiah Isaiah, what he understood about the gospel before uh, Christ came, guided all of the people who were expecting, waiting for this Messiah. Isaiah the prophet, Matthew alone, talks over and over the number of times. The, what I want you to hear is this. The disciples were men of the Old Testament word. They knew the Bible that they had. And so Matthew quotes, look at all those. He's the virgin with child, a voice in the wilderness, a light. In the These are Isaiah's words. 
And when you hear Matthew, you can't hear just Matthew. You got to hear this reverberation, this echoing message throughout the New Testament comes from this Isaiah the prophet. And, and Jesus himself, Jesus knew that what Isaiah said was really going to be pertinent to how he would do the ministry in terms of him understanding his own role in missions. And so Jesus said and knew that every person would be taught by God According to Isaiah, according to Jesus, Jesus quoted. And so Jesus' understanding how people and God would get together and understand the message of Christ came through the Holy Spirit. Jesus had this understanding, but he also would say that there are people who wouldn't have that understanding because their, their ears would be closed. Who would believe our report? And the parables in particular were given to keep people out of this understanding Having ears they wouldn't hear and eyes they wouldn't see. Jesus knew what the prophecies were. Jesus knew everything. And yet, going back to Isaiah, let me go back to that passage. Because as you get into the, into the, the message of Isaiah, where Israel had failed in its faithfulness to God multiple times, God comes with a promise in the Messiah, comfort Comfort ye my people. Though you've sinned, you will receive twice, double for your sins. And yet the promise of forgiveness for an unfaithful people, Isaiah moves into a, a wonderful hope. If you haven't read the, the second part of Isaiah from Isaiah 40 on to 66, you, you will miss some of the wondrous uh, meaningful passages in Scripture that are, that are written. And yet this passage about awake, O Israel. Let me read this to you again. In Isaiah 52, um, Isaiah starts out having, having given all of this promise, all of his um, revelation about the coming of the Messiah. He calls Israel to wake up. And he says, and, and in the Hebrew in the Hebrew language, if something is said once, it's important. If it's said twice, it's like, pay attention. Jesus would say, truly, truly, I say, pay attention. And uh, anytime it's repeated, pay attention. Awake, awake, O Zion, and clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, O Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and the defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains of your neck, O captive daughter of Jerusalem. This is the message of Christmas, is that the gifts that the Magi brought were nothing compared to the gifts that this king would give to the Magi. And therefore, what Christ was offering was salvation full and free. But they had to wake up to this to understand what the meaning of salvation, what the gospel really meant as good news. And so if they would understand that, if they were alive, then the next passage, uh, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. You have to be awake in order to announce and to acclaim this good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness. 
who announces salvation says to Zion, your God reigns. And all that takes place in this little city, starting with Bethlehem, but moves into Jerusalem because Jerusalem, the city of peace, would be the place where God would start the redemptive story. And as it says in Ezekiel, as it says in Ezekiel 5, uh, sorry, that's not Ezekiel 5, that uh, in, the, in the, yeah, here it is. This is what the sovereign Lord says. This is Jerusalem, which I have set in the center of the nations with countries all around her. This is the beginning of the story of the redemption story. And so what, what Paul picks up in the New Testament that the Gentiles didn't know, as we talked about in the, in the Sunday school, the Gentiles had no idea. And some of the Jewish people didn't have any, any idea either. But Paul would pick up this theme. Everything is exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that is illuminated becomes a light into itself. If you are Jewish, you understand that the Jewish mindset is primarily focused on experience by seeing, by seeing, by witnessing, by, glory, by, by glorification. When you see God's glory, Moses said, show me your glory. The Jewish people wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see God. Isaiah saw God and was high and lifted up. The, the Gentiles picked this up and they went to Philip and said, show us, show us the Father. Philip, Philip had the Greek said, we want to see Christ. The idea of seeing Christ, and if you see Christ, you'll wake up. So it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. The idea that what took place in Jerusalem is an imparted vision in a human story, one by one. Now, you may have heard of this guy, Paul Harvey, famous for the rest of the story. I'm going to add, using some extra-biblical material and some extra-biblical imagination, guided, I think, by the Holy Spirit, hopefully, uh, to add some dimension to this story for us here at Chesterland. I shared this morning in the Sunday school that this little passage, that this little passage in Luke caught me as I was reading it this, this season. Many have un undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and and notice this little phrase. I never saw this before. Servants of the word. They were witnesses and they were servants of the word. These are the two, two descriptions I want to look at. That if you've seen the light, if you are awake, if you've got feet shod with the gospel, that you're going to be a witness, an eyewitness, but you're going to be a servant of the word. So we're going to look at that for a minute. The eyewitnesses, that you will be personally engaged, that you will have some encounter with Christ, that you've got a testimony to share. You have a salvation testimony. How did you become a Christian? How were you born again? Who led to? But notice, too, happened. 
You've got your personal story, how you came to Christ. They did too. But notice too, they were servants. They weren't called Christians. They were called servants. And the thing about a servant is you have a master. If you have a master, it means you have someone who's discipling you to become like the master. But if you're listening to the master, you're going to have the master's message, and therefore you're going to have content, substantial content, that you're going to tell your story in light of his story. And as you move through your life, you're going to have Christ work through you to reach others. You shall be my witnesses, Luke says, in Acts 1.8, when the Spirit of God comes upon you. And when the Spirit of God comes upon you, something radically changes. You just can't be civil, religious, moral people. You become kingdom people. And therefore, go back with me. Relax and use your mind for a minute. That Christmas is over. And now the Magi are going back home. It's a long way back home depending on which study you read, 750 miles, 800 miles, three, four months, you've just seen the Messiah. You've just worshipped the king, and now you're going back home. What was that trip like? They'd stop at inns, they would hear cussing goat keepers, and people were drinking and having times out, but then there were those times these magi came through and they thought, What's happened? What, he's, what's God doing in this child? And so they would walk and they would ride those camels back and they would travel back over. You'll see Jerusalem's on the east over here and they would go over through Iraq and over to through Babylon, over to Persia, the Medes, the Parthians. This is a territory of pagan idols where gods were local gods and you, you would trust in the God that you grew up with, but you would have no understanding that there's an international God, and he's the God of Israel. And then you would, you would think that you would travel and you would stop along this crescent, and you see that valley. That's why they took that curve, because there was water out there for the sheep, water for the camels, water for the men. But as they traveled, do you know what their names were? The extra-biblical stories say that they had names. And you'll see these names, Melchior, Gaspar, Caspar, Balthazar. Three months, and they get home. Can you imagine arriving home? Well, Gaspar, how was your trip? The wife says as she meets him at the door. Oh, honey. Oh, honey, he's here. The one that Daniel told us about. The prophecies were all true. Dad, Dad, you're home. Yeah, I put the camels away. Uh, It's so good. And runs up and gives Dad a hug and says, did you have anything for me? Did you bring anything back for me? Yes, son, I've got a story to tell you. This Christ child we went to see and begins a conversation with the son. Then what happens? The next day they're home. They meet their neighbors. The Magi go out and they tell, well, how was your trip? Well, Melchior says, well, I'll I'll tell you, I I just didn't believe the the angels, the star. And as he begins to tell his story, people 
in the East here heard this story from these three men and they continue to talk about this Christ child. The magi, the, the astronomers, the, the, the magicians, what, the wise men, whoever, they would have a testimony among the Gentiles. Now fast forward one year. Hey dad, are you going back to Jerusalem this year? No, son. Don't need to. Don't need to. You're going to be with us? Yeah, we're going to be here. Uh, but I know the king's over there, and he's still a baby. He's one year old now, son. Wow, I'd like to hear more about that. One year, five years go by. Now the Magi are thinking about Christ. Thirty years go by. Christ is now doing the ministry in Israel. They're hearing news from a distant land. The Magi hear that the Christ is now doing the ministry. Surely word have gotten out by then. But the questions that they would have, why would God involve these Magi in the first place as they would go back? Well, the interesting thing, the interesting thing, as they would begin to understand that the Jews in Babylon who left and came back, and there were Jews that were there still talking about the prophecies of Daniel and Isaiah back and forth. Did you know that at Pentecost, after Jesus would die on the cross and was resurrected and the Pentecost came, that there came from Babylon, the same area of the Magi, men, it says, men from every nation. And they saw the Holy Spirit being poured out. And notice what Luke says, utterly amazed. They ask, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans, how is it that each of us hear them in our native language? Now notice, notice this group, the Parthians, the Medes, and the Elamites. That's Magi territory. The rest of the story that you may not know is that Thomas the Apostle, after Christ ascended and the Spirit was given, the mission to the Gentiles, Thomas picked up and went back over there. And the story is that the Magi were baptized by St. Thomas. That's extra biblical. It's a legendary. But even so, when St. Helen went to pick up, uh, when they went to Jerusalem, she picked up somehow and I don't have this connection, but the bones of the Magi were supposedly collected and now they're entombed in this shrine in Germany, in Cologne. The remains of the Magi. Well, can you imagine those conversations? Do you see how that story unfolded over time? The same thing took place with the shepherds. Wow. They saw the angel. And the angel to the shepherd, not to Herod, not to the rabbinical leaders, but to lonely shepherds. And in the shepherds, they had seen Christ. And what did they do when they saw Christ? They acclaimed, they, they proclaimed, they declared what the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And the shepherds, after seeing Christ, went back to work. Fast forward one year. The star's not there this year. No, that was last year, son. 
Yeah, it's, it's still quiet. Yeah, but it's not the same because Christ is now one year old. Dad, can we go see Christ again? Well, uh, we've got work to do some. We've got to travel east. And, but the shepherds would talk to their family one year. Then the shepherd would gather the sheep and take them to market. Can you imagine the shepherd selling their sheep and saying, this Christ is the Lamb of God. And so in the marketplace, here you have shepherds saying, yeah, I was one of those shepherds that the angel, the angel came to me. And let me tell you about the story, that peace on earth, uh, this little lamb called Christ. And you can hear these conversations in the corner in the marketplace, can't you? 30 years later, the shepherds are still telling that story in the marketplace, on the fields. Now, wherever they went, the story was acclaimed because the story didn't pass like Christmas. Add one more story to this. Remember Rachel weeping for the loss of the children who were slaughtered? She goes to the marketplace, and what does she see? Well, not people. She doesn't go, but... In the marketplace, there are people that would look over and say, oh, this family, they lost their first child. But isn't it good? A year later, look, he's got another child. Five years later, the family's grown. Thirty years later, those kids who lost brothers would remember the story how Herod murdered, tried to murder Christ. And therefore, you understand that the story is in a context of a lifetime. And no matter what happened, that story would be repeated over and over in different places. And therefore, when Luke said, we were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. And therefore, this is what God says to Israel. This is what it says. This is Jerusalem, which I have set in the center. Because everything revolves around Christ. Everything revolves around Christ. And therefore, Isaiah says, people will know my name. And then who foretold know that it is I. It is I uh, who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful are the feet of those who bear good news, who bring good news, who proclaim peace, good news, to bring blessings, salvation, and who say to Zion, uh, you are... You are the city of peace. So for us, the story continues. Are you a servant of the word? Sure. You have a story to tell to the nations. Sure. In the fields, in the marketplace, in the workplace, wherever you are. But how on earth will you tell the story? You won't tell it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit giving you confidence and assurance. We are not like candles who are silent. We are People lit with the gospel. Servants of the word. Bringing good news to those who've never heard about the first coming, let alone about the second coming. Our job, our call, our privilege is to tell people how good God is. It's to show the mercy that he's got for those who are in darkness for those who don't know about forgiveness and those who are still wrestling with the meaningless of life. 
But make no mistake, make no mistake. What Christ wants us to understand is that we are to become awake. And as we are awake, then we can really proclaim what Isaiah was talking about. Awake, O Israel. Put off thy slumber, and the truth shall make you free. If you know Jesus, you know Jesus. That's enough. Well, let me close in a word of prayer. Wherever you go this week, I pray that you would open up other people's conversations by being that light. Let's pray. Father, may your spirit reach deep inside of us. You who who were the suffering servant and the conversations that you have before the Father are so affirming, so welcoming, so, so filled with blessing that your goodness is really rich. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill each one of us here, that we would do um, what all the others who have gone before us, that they would be eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Father, would you... Would you use this church to be a light to the nations, but a light to the city, a light to the families, a light to those who are still sitting in darkness. So Father, we commit ourselves to you. We thank you for all these things. For your glory and our growth, we pray. Amen.